Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fullest Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Bostwick, and today's guest is Holly Owens from Wealthy Belly. Holly is a health and wellness influencer. She started her account three and a half years ago to share her health journey, as well as recipes, workouts, skincare tips, and how to live a low-tox and sustainable lifestyle. Holly was diagnosed in September 2018 with Lyme disease and Babesia and began bee venom therapy in October 2018 as her form of treatment. After a little over two years of bee venom therapy, Holly stopped stinging in November 2020 after all of her symptoms had been resolved and is currently still symptom-free. Now she shares education around Lyme misconceptions, how to get a proper diagnosis, what to do if you find a tick on you, awareness around mold toxicity, and how she is continuing to maintain her health and finding balance after years of living a relatively strict and health-focused lifestyle. Not to mention Holly is also a model. That's not in your bio. I know. <laughs> <laughs> for joining us. Thank you for having me. I... I love everything that you share and I love that you share how to get a tick off you. I feel like that is like my number one fear is getting a tick on me. I mean, there's so many fears obviously, but I don't know. I think, you know, with so much Lyme and so much awareness around it now, I'm always like, are you from the East Coast? Like, how did you end up with Lyme, you think? No, I'm from Nevada. I'm from the desert. Um, So I had moved to New York in 20, what was it? 2015. And then about six months after I had been living in New York, I just developed all these symptoms. It was just like my health completely took a turn. Um, what felt like overnight, a lot of gut issues, neurological issues, some memory issues, a little bit of neck pain, not nothing crazy with the, with the pain. Um, and it just totally threw me for a loop. I had grown up I mean, standard American diet, but no health issues really. Um, and so living in New York, I'm, I'm assuming I got it because I would have photo shoots since I model. I would have photo shoots in um, like Connecticut or in the Hamptons and would go to the Hamptons sometimes. So I'm assuming I got it over there. I did have mm-hmm. a rash on my back, which I didn't really connect the dots for that until about three years after all my symptoms which is what ultimately led me to test for Lyme disease. Um, and I'm assuming that rash, it was in a circle. It looked like a bullseye rash, but I didn't have the education or awareness about Lyme that I do now. So I wish I would have, but I think that's where I got it. Okay. So like you moved there in 2015 and then six months later, you started getting these symptoms and yeah. then you were with it for that long. Yeah, I had symptoms for about three and a half years, almost four years until I got diagnosed. And in between all that, I was going to doctors all the time trying to figure out what the heck had happened. And my blood test results would come back totally normal. Um, In the beginning, my first doctor visit, he was a functional doctor. You know, I did have a lot of vitamin deficiencies and leaky gut. And so he just kind of chalked it all up to be just leaky gut causing the fatigue, the brain fog, the gut issues. So we healed that, but then everything just kind of continued on. So from the beginning, you went to, I mean, you tried a bunch of doctors, but then you ended up with a functional medicine doctor. Is that just 
Like, did you have an idea? Of, did someone recommend that to you? Or how did that happen? I actually, my first doctor I ever met with was a functional doctor. I didn't oh, really cool. go the Western route. Um, he had, re- once we reached our kind of limit and like our, our max point together, he recommended yeah. I go see his gastroenterologist, who's obviously a Western doctor. Within the first visit, it was a 15 minute visit. He just was like, Oh, you have IBS. Here's some antibiotics. Come back in a few weeks, blah, blah, blah. I was like, What the heck? I was like, No, he just diagnosed me with leaky gut. And now you're saying IBS and you just want to give me antibiotics? Like for IBS? I mean, yeah, I was like, No, I'm good. Thank you. So then I went back to the functional doctor. He recommended I go see a different gastroenterologist. And so, because most of my symptoms were gut related. So he was just looking at the gut. Um, And then that doctor had brought up maybe like gut motility. So the peristalsis, the wave motion that your intestines make to move food through, he thought maybe mine was slow or not working properly. Um, So he suggested we do an endoscopy also to check for celiac disease and just to see the health of my, you know, intestines or wherever the, you know, that camera goes. And I came out of it and he's like, wow, it's beautiful in there. There's nothing wrong. (laughs) And so I was just back to the drawing board every single time. And that went on for probably three years, three and a half years. Uh, It's the worst feeling when you don't feel well. I know. And like the first thing the functional doctor had said to me was, you look too healthy to be here. What could possibly be wrong with you? I was like, oh my God, if you could live a day in my body, you would understand that I'm not, like something is wrong. I may look fine, but I don't feel fine. Yeah. And I think that's like a misconception across the board, right? I mean, people are like, people are living and people aren't aware that that's not how you should feel. So like even just the fact of that you knew that something was wrong is so amazing because I think a lot of times people are not in tune with their body and they're not even realizing like this, I should be thriving. Yeah. I think that's where I got really lucky is I just, I don't know how it happened. I just have this natural ability to really kind of pinpoint maybe what's going on in my body or if something's off or, you know, exactly how I feel after I eat a certain thing. I just, it just comes really naturally to me. So I feel like I just got really lucky with this whole journey and that in a way it was meant to happen to me so I could go through this and kind of just share my experience. Yeah. So, okay, let's get to that point where you got your Lyme diagnosis. Yeah. So I had started to see on social media, a few people bring up Lyme disease that they had gotten diagnosed. This was, you know, probably two and a half years ago. And I just realized something just clicked in my head. I just thought, oh, wow, this is one thing none of the doctors have brought up. No one has tested me for this. And seeing all the symptoms, I just realized I had a lot of the symptoms. So I went to my acupuncturist and was telling her, you know, like, I'm just not happy with my doctor and I feel like something else is going on. And I had initially gone to my acupuncturist to ask her if she had a recommendation for a more holistic like women's health doctor, someone that could do exams or, you know, just kind of do the 
gas or the OBGYN thing, but in a more holistic way. Yeah, which is also something that most people don't ask about and don't look into, which is so great that you had asked. Yeah. And she recommended this doctor, Dr. Melanie Giesler. She does women health exams as well as an, is an integrative doctor. So she kind of has the mix of Western trained plus more holistic and functional. So it's kind of a blend of the two. And I thought, oh, wow, that's a great doctor. You know, she has the ability to do both sides and see it from a more kind of neutral perspective. And she'll understand your entire body, not just that one part. Exactly. So I love that when you find people like that. Yeah. To her. Yeah. So my acupuncturist had said, you should go see this doctor. We kind of exchange patients. She gets a lot of cancer patients, so she sends them to me for acupuncture, um, and I do the same. And she brought up Lyme. She was just like, "Yeah, we, you know, we share a lot of our Lyme patients." And I was like, "Oh, cool, okay." Never really thought about Lyme at that point. And then, like two weeks later, I had already had an appointment scheduled with this new doctor and started seeing all the stuff about Lyme. Um, and then. My boyfriend's cousin, she had told she had just gotten diagnosed with Lyme disease. And she had said, Oh, like if you find a doctor, make sure they're Lyme literate and, you know, really understand Lyme and are trained in that, you know, in the Lyme world. So I had gone on the it's like the ILADS, I-L-A-D-S website, and that's how you can find the Lyme literate doctor. And she was like the first person that popped up. I was like, Oh wow, oh, this is cool. like meant to be. <laughs> so yeah. I went into our first um, appointment and just said, look, I brought my notebook. I had all my past lab results and past notes and was like, this has literally been my past for the last three years. Help me. Um, I think you're Lyme literate and Lyme is the one thing I haven't been diagnosed or haven't been tested for. So can you do that? And I only want to be tested through Igenics. I don't want to do the standard you know, Western blot or just like the CDC testing. And she's like, 100%, you got it. Let's do this. You know, like we're not, I don't want this to be like a full doctor patient thing. Like we are on the same team and this table doesn't separate us. It's, you know, it's a group effort. And she's like, I'm totally open to suggestions as well as, you know, it seems like you do a lot of research and kind of know certain things and are educated in a lot of health topics. So she just said, yeah, let's go for it. Um, two weeks later, I came back and she said, your gut was right. You were diagnosed with um, Lyme disease. Wow. I think I had four different, like the different species of the bacteria. Oh, yeah. um, and then also Babesia, which is a tick co-infection. It's kind of like oh, malaria. Yeah. It's a red blood cell parasite, which is wow. often... Um, you know, contracted with ticks because ticks can carry multiple types of diseases yeah. besides Lyme disease. Hi, everyone. I want to take a second to share about my dear friend Carson Myers' brand, Sea and the Moon. Carson has been a guest on our show, so if you happen to listen to that episode, you would know she launched Sea and the Moon with its debut product, the Malibu Made Body Scrub. This scrub uses brown sugar to gently exfoliate and delivers lasting hydration through a variety of organic botanical oils like almond, jojoba, coconut, and castor seed oil, and it's scented with a food-grade vanilla. 
The Malibu Made Body Scrub was born out of a necessity to nourish dry and sensitive skin without the use of harmful chemicals that are often found in everyday personal care products. As a doula, Carson saw firsthand how much information the skin takes in from the environment around it, including the many studies that have shown direct test results of over hundreds of chemicals that were found in umbilical cord blood and passed down from mother to child, not to mention the detrimental impacts man-made chemicals that are found in conventional skincare products have on our environment as a whole. The Malibu Made Body Scrub is made with organic, non-toxic ingredients and packaged in a waste-free glass jar that can be upcycled for continuous use. Sea in the Moon proudly donates a portion of its proceeds to the Natural Resources Defense Council, which is an organization that brings together scientists and lawyers to defend the health of Mother Earth. The Malibu Made Body Scrub has been called a miracle product by those who suffer from chronic dry skin and deemed the best scrub ever by Kim Kardashian. So for 20% off your Sea in the Moon order, use code FULLEST20 at checkout. So can we go back to the um, test that you did and that you mentioned you didn't want to do the Western or CDC one? Like yeah. what is the difference? So there's a company in Northern California. I think they're in Palo Alto. They are called Igenex, I-G-E-N-E-X. And they are an independent lab, so they actually don't have to test through the CDC kind of guidelines. So they can actually test for more strains um, and do like a more in-depth test. Um, So, And then they compare it to the CDC test. So a lot of the times the CDC will say, oh, you're negative for Lyme, even though you have these two strains, but it's actually not enough to consider that you tested positive and you're like, okay, well things are popping up clearly. Um, So for mine, I had like four different strains, but the types of strains didn't match up to what the CDC considered as a positive diagnosis. Interesting. Yeah. They wouldn't like care. Yeah. So if I would have just done the traditional one, I would have gone back to the drawing board again because it would have come back as negative. Yeah. And so Okay, you got your Lyme um, diagnosis, and then did she recommend being the venom therapy, or was that just like through your research? Um, okay, no, she did not initially recommend it. I had gone back to her that when I got diagnosed, she's like, okay, here's some treatment options. We can do these herbal tinctures and ozone transfusions and, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, okay, this seems really expensive. So yeah. I tried. I tried the tincture she gave me for three days and they completely knocked me on my butt. Like I felt so sick and that's when I was like, wow, okay, something is going on in my body. Um, But I had told her, my friend did bee venom therapy. She's been totally healthy and no symptoms have come back for three years now. Like she's totally thriving. I watched her boyfriend's cousin. No. So this was my friend, Brooke. She ended up starting the heel hive. So she now teaches people how to kind of just advocate for your health and how to sting yourself properly and just all education around bee venom therapy. So 
Yeah. So I had watched her do it to herself through Instagram for, you know, two years and just thought, wow, this woman's a warrior. I'm so happy I don't have to do this. Like, I don't know if I would be able to. And then watched her just start to thrive and get so much better. And then I got to meet her um, in person. I'd already been following her. I got to meet her in person about six months before I got my Lyme diagnosis. It just felt like it all just lined up perfectly. Like this was all supposed to happen for some reason. And so... Uh, she had told me, yeah, you should get tested for Lyme disease. So I was like, okay. So once I got the diagnosis, I called her and just said, it's positive. She said, okay, like I'm here to support you and help you if you want to do bee venom therapy. If not, I totally get it. And so I just went to my doctor and was like, this is what I want to do. I don't want to try other things first. My gut's just telling me to do this. And my doctor thankfully was totally on board. She had heard of people doing it before and you know, this was almost three years ago. So it was before it's really become more of a thing now. And like, no one was doing it back then, like on social media, or there wasn't really, I think there was a total of like 10 images in the hashtag for bee venom therapy. And now there's thousands. It's really crazy. So how do you do it? Like you go to someone at, well, okay. So, cause my doctor, Dr. Sadegi, like he has the beehive of healing. Like he does it, mm-hmm. but I, I've never done it with him, but he, he's like a big advocate for it. Yeah. Um, but I, I still don't know how it's done. Like, I think they just basically, you go to someone and they sting you. So that's one way to do it. There's a documentary on Netflix called Unwell. And my friend Brooke who taught me is actually in it. She is like one of the experts for it. And then they also follow two other practitioners that do it in a more like acupuncture type of way. So like you go, you lay on the table, they do it for you and then you leave. But the way I was taught and the way most people with Lyme disease do it is you do it to yourself. So you're taking back the control. You're not relying on someone else. Yeah. You know, it's back in your hands, your health. So she how taught awesome. me, yeah. So she taught me how to do it in her friend's living room one afternoon, and then I just told her, I was like, "This is what you're meant to do. Like, you need to <laughs> continue oh teaching people." And then she created a whole business out of it, and it's amazing. She's helping hundreds That's of people. So cool. Yeah. That's so you so like, do you keep be like? Do, how did you do it? <laughs> yeah, I would get in the beginning. I would get bees shipped to me in oh overnight. Yeah, in overnight mail. The poor bee, the poor um, postman. He's probably like, "What the hell?" Because literally, the box would be like live honeybees. <laughs> it would be buzzing. Um, and so, yeah, there's two companies that you can order bees from online, and it's really affordable. It's I think I paid twenty bucks for probably like a hundred bees. Whoa. Yeah. And that lasts you, once you get up to 10 stings, you start slow. You start with one sting and you work your way up to 10, which is the max. And that'll last you, you know, like a month, five weeks. So literally treatment would cost me 20 bucks. So it's a super affordable treatment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then I mean, there's people that do it that just have their own beehives and do it. So it's pretty much free. Oh my um, and then I was at a, an event in Malibu and met this guy that was doing a honey tasting 
and his name's Eli. He has Eli's bees. He's kind of known in LA for his honey and stuff. But we were talking and he was like, oh, well, do you need a bee guy? Like, do you need someone to provide you bees? And I was like, oh my God, actually, yeah, that would be awesome. Because right now I'm getting them shipped to me and it's hard to kind of schedule out when I need a new shipment. And he's like, all right, well, I've got bees all over LA. So just text me. So I started texting him and I would go see him every six weeks and he would give me like 300 bees and I would put them into a little box that I would keep in our house. And yeah. And how often would you do it? Like, is it a daily thing? It's three times a week. Wow. And you start with one sting. So I was at one sting for about six weeks. It took me a while to kind of work through the initial histamine response and the fatigue. And then you just kind of work your way through it all. And then you go to two stings. And I stayed at two stings for probably a month. And then three stings for maybe two weeks. And then four stings. And then five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then I stayed at ten for a year and a half. Oh my gosh, Holly, you were getting stung by 10 bees three times a week for a year and a half. Yeah. Doing it myself in my bathroom. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Did you ever do it on your boyfriend or like anyone in your family? No. um, We have some friends that were, they were always like, come on, just sting Carrie, get him. And I was like, no, I don't want to just torture him, you know? So it wasn't until I finished stinging that he finally just got stung naturally by like (laughs) riding a bike or something and he got stung twice in a day and he was just like oh my god how did you do this yeah (laughs) I was like finally oh you see what I was going through I know do you believe that like bees there's like a theory they sting you when you need it I feel like that could be true yeah you know well, it's because it's so healing. I've I've heard that. I've never gotten stung though, but I I want to try it. I mean, is that something that people do just like for preventative care too, or is it really something that you found that is for a you know a chronic illness? So it initially got pretty known for its benefits for arthritis. That's been used for a long, 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 long time. Um, I've met girls on photo shoots that once I got talking about it, they're like, Oh my God, my grandma would, you know, sting herself with bees in Mexico or like, like it's crazy how many people actually know of all the benefits for this. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, I mean, people do it for MS and lupus, rheumatoid arthritis. So it's, you can use it for other things and for autoimmune diseases. So it's not just used for Lyme disease. But, you know, I don't think you want to just go out and start stinging yourself with bees. You know, you should definitely work with someone, <laughs> work with someone or get educated in it before you start. You know, it's, it's just like any other treatment. There are risks with it. So you need to make sure your body is in a good, healthy place that, you know, you're not living in mold or have other issues or other diseases yeah. going on. Yeah. Which you were living in mold, right? Yeah. So our... Um, washer broke in our downstairs um, unit and it flooded our entire downstairs with like three inches of water. And this was after I'd already started stinging. And then um, I think that triggered mold in our place, which I didn't realize, but I just started feeling like really puffy, 
a lot of sinus issues. Um, that's when my skin started acting up too. I got a lot of breakouts on my forehead and all over my face. And then we finally moved out of it, but I was already stinging for about a, about a year. And mm-hmm. it's not recommended to do that because the mold can totally hinder any healing or any progress that you're getting throughout the treatment for Lyme. So we then the pandemic happened, so we moved out. We've been living up in Santa Barbara with Carrie's parents, and it just felt like within two weeks, like there was a massive shift. I just felt like I lost a lot of inflammation and puffiness, and my skin cleared up. And then I continued stinging for you know another year, and then uh, finished finished all the treatment. Hey everyone, I'm interrupting this episode to tell you about a recent decision I've decided to make. As you all know, I'm always trying to find ways to live more sustainably. And since becoming a mom, there were a few situations that challenged my commitment. I knew diapers were the number one contributor to landfill waste, but I also knew the best I could do at the time was source the most eco-friendly disposable diapers I could find. However, I'm now in a place where I'm ready to implement an even more sustainable practice. And after learning that there are over 32 billion disposable diapers being thrown away every year in this country alone, I've decided cloth diapers are the way to go for my baby girl. I came across the brand Assembly, and I feel empowered and supported through their cloth diapering process. Basically, they've created an entirely new cloth diapering system that is sustainable and organic, and where you only need 44 diapers from birth to potty training. Not to mention they're made from 100% certified organic cotton, which was a huge deal to me. They also provide everything from reusable or disposable wipes, eco-friendly detergent, and diaper creams that are actually made from the cleanest ingredients I've ever seen on a baby product that's marketed towards diapering babies. Literally, they have everything you need to live less disposably without having to sacrifice convenience. So if you or someone in your circle are expecting and or a new mom and are also looking for ways to care for your baby and the planet, I'm so happy to share with you that you can now take advantage of our fullest discount. Currently, Assembly, which is spelled E-S-E-M-B-L-Y, is offering 15% off your first order. Just use the code THEFULLEST at checkout. So... November 2020, mm-hmm. right? That's when you were done. And yeah. was it weird to stop? Like, how did you know? Yeah, I cried. <laughs> it was, I was at my mom's house. I was visiting my mom and I did my last. It just felt like I was coming to the end of it. There's no yeah. real hard stop. It's not like they're like, okay, you're done. You just kind yeah. of start realizing, oh, I have left symptoms. I've been doing it for this long you know, let's stop and see how I feel. Um, and I had just started, I had started to naturally forget about my sting sessions and it just felt like it was becoming less a part of my routine. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like it was time to start wrapping my head around finishing. So I finished and I was at my mom's house in the bathroom and I did my last sting and I just started crying. I was just like, Oh my God, like what a journey this has been. What a crazy two years. I can't believe I did this. And in the beginning, it seemed like two years was so long. I was like, oh my God, I'm almost going to be 29 by the time I'm finished with this. Like, that, you know, I'm going to miss out on so much because, you know, you have to 
make sacrifices to heal. So, you know, there's a lot I couldn't do. You were living in New York when you got diagnosed and then you moved to LA and then you moved to Montecito and now you're going to move back. But like, what brought you to LA? Um, So I'd been in LA for about nine years and then moved to New York for a year. Well, I moved to New York to just move to New York, but then my boyfriend and I started dating a month before I moved and he lived in LA. And I was like, oh no, what am I doing? But I knew I wanted to live in New York at least once. So I decided to still move to New York um, and he stayed in LA. And then after the year, I was just kind of like, you know, I just feel more like myself and more at home in LA. So I came back. So I didn't get diagnosed until I lived in LA again. Oh, okay. I thought the doctor that you were working with was... No, no, no. They were all... um, I feel like there probably would have been a better shot of me getting a Lyme diagnosis earlier on if I had gone to doctors in New York, just because it is the East Coast and a little more, you know, talked about over there. Um, So I feel like that could have changed a lot, probably, if I would have looked into doctors over there. Yeah. But so did you continue to like do testing and stuff like while you were doing all this, the B venom therapy? Like how would you kind of gauge that? No, I mean, I did testing just for blood work, but nothing regarding Lyme really. Um, they're like, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just like amazed because most chronic illnesses and all these things like you mentioned, I mean, obviously you changed a lot of your lifestyle and you kept getting more and more into wellness and like you have this whole platform and stuff now, but still like most of these treatments cost so much money and people have to do so many different things. And so to be, to say like I did my, or I did be venom therapy to heal my Lyme And that was like the main thing that healed it. And it was like a two-year process or whatever. That's incredible in terms of like how much it costs. Yeah. I mean, comparing the one ozone IV transfusion I would have had to get, she was telling me to do it probably two times a week for, you know, a couple of months. Just one ozone session would have cost probably like probably six months worth of bees. You know, that's six months worth of treatment. Um, And yeah, I mean, bee venom is all I did. You know, I didn't add in many other things. You know, of course, I incorporated other healing modalities like coffee enemas, colonics, lymphatic drainage, mindfulness, kind of trying to not let the disease take over my identity and really separate myself from it and just know that this is just a part of my life, like a chapter in my life, and it's not my life. And I think that really helped because I I never wanted to be like the Lyme girl or, oh, I have, I'm Holly and I have Lyme. Like I didn't want that for myself. And that's why I was nervous with my Instagram. I, I think there's a lot of like fear around it for like your social media presence. I didn't want people to only associate me with Lyme. I wanted to be more than that. So I, I really tried to not only talk about that on there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you talk about all sorts of things, like, I mean, it said in your bio too, but I just love how curious you are and how you share things in a way. It's just so genuine. It's like, look, this is what I've started to learn about. And this is what I'm sharing with you guys. And 
And it's because I genuinely think that it's interesting. And, but you have this entirely other, like this whole other career on the side. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I'm so curious about that too. And I'm in terms of like how much time that takes up for you. Yeah. I mean, so up until this last year, modeling was my full-time thing and Instagram was just on the side when I had time and would do it kind of while I was traveling. But then the pandemic happened and modeling kind of shut down for a few months. So I didn't have any jobs going on. So I really, you know, put a lot of time and effort just into Instagram and trying to grow and build more and just keep sharing. Um, And then now, I mean, the Instagram thing is kind of my full-time job and modeling's now kind of on the side because it hasn't fully come back to normal. But yeah, I'd say at the peak of everything, and this was during the peak of all my health issues too, I was at the airport probably once a week traveling, sometimes would fly to London for literally 24 hours for a photo shoot and then fly back. And it just, it was so much. And I didn't realize how hard it was on my body and physically and mentally until I kind of started to work more in LA, but I was traveling all the time, working multiple days a week. And then it just slowly, once I started treatment, it kind of slowed down a little. Um, I think it was just a natural thing that happened and I'm really grateful for it because I don't think I would have been able to continue on with bee venom if I was traveling that much. Um, traveling. Did you travel with bees? Yeah. Um, I know. So there was two times that I would put them, they get shipped to you in a little box. That's probably like six inches long and three inches wide with a little lid on it. So that's what they get shipped to you in. And then I put them in a larger box when I get home, but I would put them back into the smaller box and close it and put it into my checked bag (laughs) and fly like to New York with my bees. Um, but then another easy way was just to call the the bee shipping place and oh, yeah. they would just deliver them to like my hotel through the mail or my friend's <laughs> apartment and I would go pick them up. But I once had found, I had to go to Germany for three weeks and I was so freaked out because I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to get bees there. This like, uh, I don't want to have to stop for this long. Um, and I went on this Facebook group. It's like the world, the Bee Bunny World Locator Facebook group. <laughs> and I typed in Germany and I had found some people saying like, oh, I got bees delivered from this guy to my hotel or something. <laughs> and so I contacted this guy on Facebook. He lived in Slovakia. Oh my, oh my gosh. And I just said, hey, can you ship me bees to my hotel? I'll be there in a week. But um, you know, can they get there around this day? Yeah. And I got to my hotel room and they were just sitting in my room waiting for me in a box. Um, so they will be Like, how do they survive? Like, do you, so they put, they put food in the box for them. They put, Uh um, bee candy. So it's a mixture of like powdered sugar and water. And it forms this like hard sugary cube kind of, um, and then the bees eat that. But then once you transfer them to the larger thing, you want to give them the more liquid honey because there's more hydration in that and then give them water. But, um, 
yeah, then I, my boyfriend and I were in France for three weeks. And at first I was just catching bees on like the lavender plants. I would bring my <laughs> tweezers with me everywhere, my EpiPen and my little box for them when I would travel overseas and try to just go outside and catch some. I mean, that managed to work. And then we went to a um, farmer's market and I went up to the, like the honey stand and mm-hmm. asked them like, do you guys live nearby? Do you have bees? Um, I do this treatment and I need like 30 bees. And he's like, oh, do you work with the doctor up the street who does bee venom therapy for people? I was like, wait, hold on. What? There's a, <laughs> there's a doctor here doing it for people? And he's like, yeah, I provide the bees for the doctor. Um, so I went over to the bee guy's house with Carrie and his mom and we picked up bees <laughs> in France. <That's> so funny. <laughs> so there's a way to make it work, but you know, it's a lot of stress kind of to figure it all out. So what are you thinking now that you're done? Like, do you, I mean, you're obviously so passionate about wellness yeah. and curious what you're thinking for the future of Wealthy Belly? Oh, I mean, there's, you know, I'd love to just continue. Um, I mean, I feel like my health is never done. There's always yeah. things that can pop up or whatever. Like currently now I'm trying to figure out like the gray hair situation. I think lime and mold, yeah, I think made me go a little premature gray. So now I'm trying to figure out like, how can I hack this? Like, can I biohack <laughs> it? Can I reverse it? What can I do? So what do I, people think about hair print? So I ordered it. I haven't tried it yet, but it seems like it works. I'm curious. People have said it works. So yeah. The, I'll be I'll the guinea pig. That's the thing is, I just love being the guinea pig for things. I think someone's got to do it, and if there's a positive, you know, some, if there's a positive outcome from it, then I'd love to try it and share about it. Um, but no, I mean, I'm I'm working on a product right now. It's still <gasps> a oh my gosh, it's product. Yeah, so I'm excited. It's I think I'll start formulating stuff um, in the next few weeks, but. We'll see if it actually works and happens, but how do you, do you feel, I think a lot of times when you get deep dive into wellness, like, you know, people around you who love you and have seen, you know, how much I'm sure like being a venom therapy and everything has worked. Like, I think people still have this eye roll situation, right? So curious how you deal with that. I mean, yeah, like my friends, when I first said like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do bee venom therapy. They're like, what the heck is that? Holly, like, why don't you just do like the normal treatment? I was like, no, like I've, (laughs) I've seen too many stories and things of people that have done it and it hasn't worked. So why not try something new? And something's telling me that it's going to work. Even my boyfriend, when I first came back, was like, okay, I have Lyme disease. I already know my plan. I'm going to do B-Venom therapy. And he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Slow down. Like, let's take a breather. Let's really see, like, if this is the route you want to go. And I was like, Carrie, I've already seen all the other options. This is what I want to do. I don't want to spend all my hard-earned money on Lyme treatment. It's just not fair. Insurance doesn't cover it. It's so messed up. So... I want to do this. And then now he's like, wow, like that was so cool to watch you go through that. And it worked and you were right. And, you know, I think that's the, 
I mean, during it, yeah, even just with dietary restrictions and dietary changes and lifestyle yeah. changes, people are always just like, oh, God, you're gluten-free now, too, or oh, you're dairy-free. I was like, yeah, because I actually feel better than now most of my friends are like, oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I think people just get offended. Like, they're like, oh, you're not going to drink with me? or yeah. oh, but it's their own stuff. And, and I, you know, obviously there are people that take it too far and I've definitely gone that route, but I think when you do it in a way where it like literally nourishes you and gives you energy and you love it and it just like makes you happy, like how is that bad? I know. The more that people like don't suppress that about themselves when they're around others that it's just that they feel bad about themselves, you know? And I think going through this health journey, what it really made me realize is is just to tune out all the outside noise, like just do what feels best for you. I don't eat the same way that my boyfriend eats. He's Mm -hmm. very into, you know, pastas and desserts and like he has no health issues. He's totally fine. And so I get a lot of questions like, how do you balance that? Like, does he eat what you eat? Or does he make you feel bad for not drinking? And I'm like, no, because that's just, why? Like, why would he do that? He doesn't need to. He's confident in himself. And I don't try to change him. So he's not going to try to change me. I mean, I tried to in the beginning. (laughs) I'm going to try and get this guy super healthy. And then I realized that was just pushing him farther away. I was like, okay, I just need to focus on myself and lead by example. And now he comes to me and is like, hey, I think I want to try this. Or hey, do you have any recommendations for this? I don't feel well. I'm like, yeah, here, let me show you the ways. (laughs) I love that. I, I think that's such a great just a great way to be in a relationship too. I, my husband and I have been together since we were in high school. So like my whole journey too, I've been, you know, just in the beginning when I started, it was like, Oh my God, he's, cause I was like into raw food and being vegan and stuff as mm-hmm. well. That kind of got that route. And for a little bit, and he was, I was like crying one day because he ate a hamburger from like a really shitty place. Yeah. Like, like, why would you do that? Yeah. And I was literally getting my eyebrows done and the lady was like asking me why I was crying. (laughs) And I told her and she was so confused. And, um, but I laugh about it now because like you said, I think, you know, you, in the beginning, maybe it's like, you're so excited. You you want to share it with everyone and like the person closest to you, you think would just want to adopt it. But then when you focus on yourself and you lead by example, like you said, it's just the best because then people, you know, come around when they see the transformation and, but it is, it is a hard space to be in when you're super restrictive and people don't understand it, but you're not feeling well and you're just trying to do what's best for you. And I think you've done it so gracefully and you embrace it and you share it with people who want to hear about your journey on social media. And I, I just think it's super fun the way that you, you know, question things and share it with people. And in a way, like I said earlier, like it's so genuine. I think a lot of times like wellness influencers can, I don't know, it just becomes like this like guru thing rather than this like exploration thing. And you've just like totally kept it in that place and you are super knowledgeable. So obviously you're going to share what you know and people are going to look up to you, but it's just, 
in such a different light. And I love that about you. And I love that you, your boyfriend likes the saffron latte. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we did the prolon five day fasting mimicking thing and there's no coffee on it. Um, and Carrie's a big coffee guy. He loves his morning oh. lattes and he got off prolon and was like, wow, I don't want coffee. And wow, I feel way more like centered and less reactive and less anxious without the coffee. He's like, all I want is the saffron latte. So I just funny. keep getting him saffron lattes for after that. He's goes back and forth between that and coffee now, but no, he loves it. Oh, I love that he did the prolon thing with you. I'll, we'll have to send you more saffron latte. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked he would do the prolon. He did it twice. I was like, wow, all right. And now I think he's going to do a parasite cleanse with me. I was like, oh my God, this leading by example thing is working out very well for me. <laughs> <laughs> what gene are you going to do? Um, I got the Cellcore um, full moon parasite cleanse. So you start, you start the day before the full moon and then you do it for that day, the day of the full moon, and then the day after. Whoa. You do anywhere from like three to five days. Yeah. Wow, that sounds so interesting. I love that it's centered around the moon. I know, me too. I was like, ooh, cool. So yeah, I'm gonna that's try four. That. That's pretty, like that's a good amount of time. I did this like really gnarly one. It was two weeks and it's called the Ajuva cleanse and it's like so many herbs in it. It's yeah. insane fast before. So it's like kind of like a six week thing because uh-huh. you like fast before and fast after and then like in between too. But um, but like three to five days is manageable that like, yeah. I, I got so sick when I did it because I just, I had, I was like going spring water hunting in Bend, Oregon and like totally drank out of a spring that had parasites oh and like the water and it was this like whole ordeal, but, but spring water is still really good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, we have dogs and I guess there's parasites on like dogs and they're, their tongues yeah. and their fur. I was like, oh God, I probably have a ton of parasites. I let, let them lick me all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited to see how that goes, the cleanse though. Yeah, I'm, gonna- I'm excited. But I just want to say thank you for joining us and sharing your story. And I think one of the most profound things is really this, you know, idea that it doesn't, like you knew from the beginning, I'm not going to spend all my money on this, but I want, I still want to feel better. Yeah. And I'm going to work with alternative treatments that are known to be so expensive. So I think that's really cool. I had no idea about that, about B, B venom therapy. I just figured it was, you know, just another cost, like going to an acupuncturist or something. Yeah, no, it's very, very affordable. And, you know, a lot of people that go through the years of antibiotics or IV treatments or herbal tinctures, you know, they've spent a hundred thousand plus sometimes on treatment and then they turn to bee venom and they're like, Oh my gosh, why did I not do this sooner? Yeah. Um, But it's just like with everything in life, you just have to get to the point where you're open and receptive to something like that. You can't force it on people. So I think I just got lucky that I was willing to kind of dive in from the start.